0: God's beloved people, grace to you and peace from God our Creator and from our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. These two people were never supposed to meet. He was a Galilean man, an observant Jew. She was a Gentile woman with a demon-possessed daughter. All of the lines of culture and propriety, and yes, even prejudice, were drawn to keep them from interacting with each other. Society itself was structured to keep them apart, yet here they are in this text, together. And from what I see in their encounter, Jesus and the Canaanite woman had more in common than anyone may have guessed. They were both boundary crossers, people who were willing to color outside of the lines. This story takes place not in Galilee, Jesus' homeland, but in the district of Tyre and Sidon. He and his disciples had crossed into Gentile territory, into a region where they, as Jews, were a minority. Gentile customs were not in sync with Jewish laws, particularly dietary laws. Jews had to be mindful and vigilant when traveling to these territories if they wanted to remain faithful to their religious practices. This might be one of the reasons they didn't intermingle much. But Jesus and his friends chose to go there. They took that risk. And almost immediately they were approached, perhaps even accosted, by a Gentile woman in deep distress. Have mercy on me, Lord. Heal my daughter, she cried out to them. Have mercy on me. It wasn't customary behavior. She was a desperate mother. Her child had been seized by something she could not understand, something no one of her day understood, something frightened and foreign and beyond her ability to fix. If you have ever waited in an ER in the middle of the night with your child, not knowing what was wrong, completely dependent on someone to help you, you have had a taste of her experience. She shouted at Jesus, pleaded with him, made everyone in the crowd, including his disciples, feel irritated and uncomfortable. Her disregard for societal norms was born of her desperation. In a somewhat surprising response, it was Jesus who named the boundary that existed between them. He stated it out loud. I have come here to reach out to Jews. But the woman persisted. She drew even closer to him, kneeling at his feet. Lord, have mercy. Again, Jesus named the boundary. These promises belong to the children of Israel. I'm not sure why Jesus responded this way. It seems out of character for him, and it seems that she knew that too, because she was having none of it. Surely, Lord, she said to him, there is enough of God's healing mercy that my daughter and I could have a tiny morsel, a crumb. The audacity of this woman is extraordinary. Even though this was not her tradition, she had a hunch about God's mercy. She suspected that it was not a scarce commodity reserved only for a special few. She hoped and prayed that there was enough for everyone. And she was right. When Jesus saw her faith in God's healing mercy, his eyes were opened. He recognized that the Spirit of God was at work among the Gentiles those thought to be outsiders outside the covenant promises. The wind of the Spirit was blowing in unexpected places among unexpected people. The scope of Jesus' ministry seemed to change. By the end of Matthew's gospel, he sends his disciples to all nations to spread the good news. He did this in part, I believe, because of encounters like this one that he had with a woman he was never supposed to meet. Stories like this one are part of what inspired St. Paul and his companions to venture into Gentile communities around the Mediterranean with the gospel message. The church was born in the Jewish cradle, but it was among Gentiles that it grew exponentially. The good news of God's saving love in Jesus Christ changed the world because of encounters like this one in our gospel text—people from diverse backgrounds standing on the common ground of God's mercy. It makes me wonder how many opportunities for healing and transformation we miss because we spend so much of our time with our own tribes. This is an amazingly diverse nation, and yet research shows that we Americans erect our own boundaries, we draw our own lines, we sort ourselves into communities of like-minded people, choosing neighborhoods and schools and congregations where people think and act and look like we do. We read and watch news that has been curated for our particular perspectives. We place ourselves in blue echo chambers and red echo chambers. We are incredibly fortunate that the laws of our land support free movement, free interaction, but our customs and the daily habits of our heart do not. A sad result of this self-sorting is that like in Jesus' day, Prejudice is allowed to thrive. We saw evidence of this in Virginia a week or so ago. A particularly virulent strain of prejudice and hatred was on display. It was nothing new or creative, the same old hateful scapegoating rhetoric that has been around for centuries. But what makes me heartsick, and what I hope disturbs you as well, is that this rhetoric is spewed in the name of Christianity. This is not a red thing or a blue thing. It does not belong to Republicans or Democrats or anything in between. You and I are Christian people. We have been joined in body, mind, and spirit to Jesus Christ. When His name is used for evil, it is important for us to speak out without equivocation. White supremacy is a sin. Anti-Semitism is a sin. We worship one who on the cross exposed the evil of scapegoating, who opened his arms to share the forgiveness and mercy of God with all people. We belong to one who was raised from the dead, who has brought us into his resurrected life, where all of us stand on common ground the ground of God's mercy and love. And so, like the woman in our text, I pray for mercy. Kyrie eleison. Lord, have mercy on us. Deliver us from the prejudice and bitterness and blame that can possess us like demons. Forgive us when we sow seeds of supremacy or exclusion. Have mercy on us when we seek to constrict and narrow the love and grace you have for your people. Heal us, Lord, and bring us your peace. Like the Canaanite woman, we approach Jesus with humility, in desperate need of healing. And with boldness, we claim the promise that we hear in worship, the promise that God is rich in mercy and abundant in love, and that God loves us even when we are dead in our sin. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, and shared generously has the power to change hearts. In the storms of this life, this is the promise. It is the anchor that holds us and tethers us to hope. It is a light that guides our actions as we seek to be Christ's body in the world. The prayer found in our Psalm this morning, Psalm 67, is a good one to keep beside us as we walk through these troubled times. May God be merciful to us and bless us. May the light of God's face shine upon us. Let your way be known upon the earth, your saving health, among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O Lord. Let all the peoples praise you. Thanks be to God. Amen.